Yes, it's me, Mark Stone, and this is the Backseat Driver Podcast. I'd like to welcome to the Backseat Driver radio show, James Tucker, racing driver, event organiser, commentator, catering company owner, and a man who started his racing career in a make of car most people do not associate with circuit racing. James Tucker, welcome to the Backseat Driver radio show. Good day. How are you? Uh, not too bad at all. It's uh, the weather is pleasant, and uh, basically, after I after I finish this, uh, I'm going to go for a blast in the Morgan and just just thoroughly enjoy myself, if only for thirty minutes. Ah, uh, I had a Morgan for a period. It was a white one. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it immensely. Um, the, the the wooden chassis. Uh, and uh, going over the bumps and so on and so forth was a joy. Yes, it, um, it it reminds you just to what a bad condition the British roads are in from driving a Morgan. <laughs> yes, yes. Now, as I said, you started your racing career in a strange way, in many ways through giving somebody a lift, uh, and uh, it went on from there in many ways, didn't it? Uh, yes, Um uh, I, I was running a, a commercial kitchen company and um, one of my staff, uh, Jane, said to me, I've got a customer who wants a kitchen, would you come down and have a chat with him? So we went down and had a, a few beers and a chat and uh, time went on and about quarter past two, she suddenly panicked and realised that we had to go and pick up her son from school. So I drove her um back in her car and um she got out looking a bit white and knuckles white as well <laughs> and reported me to her husband who happened to be the uh director of sport at the time for Hamil Saab and um was involved with the mobile um, Saab challenge um and uh, I managed to get um told off and um and then uh, invited to go and buy a car in Liverpool, um, which I had to buy myself, and then he said he would sponsor me for the rest. So I didn't pay for anything, but um, started in April uh, 82, uh, last on the grid at Thruxton in the freezing cold, managed to overtake somebody and felt very happy about the whole event. <laughs> a personal victory, sir. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. By the end of the season, I was leading the amateur championship and and from then on, we moved up the ladder or sideways or whichever way you like to say. But we learnt um, from all our mistakes and that's basically what you do in motorsport. True. I mean, the Saab has always been renowned for being a rally car, but how? which Saab was it and how did it perform on the circuit? Um, it was a Saab 900 turbo. Um, the turbos were restricted to one bar and had a pop-off valve. Um, and basically they were very quick, but very heavy. Yeah. Um, uh, they were quick against each other, but not against anything else. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. So, yeah, but basically they brought in um people including damon hill and uh jerry marshall and uh tony lanfranchi and other guest drivers 
Um, the problem being, of co- the problem being, of course, Jerry Marshall and Tony Lafranchi make everybody else look slow, don't they, in saloon guys? Well, yes, um, he, he was he was renowned for his uh, tip and tail. Um, he was he, he was a, 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 a guster of life. Um, he had uh, endless energy um, and. Uh, endless numbers of packets of fags. <laughs> I don't I don't think anybody will be surprised when I say uh, I think it's something that I and potentially you also emulate is that part of it all. <clears throat> well, yes, um, and that, that's why I, in this uh, COVID thing I've locked myself down and and um, I'm enjoying uh, um, uh, some brief, uh, a brief break from work. Uh, I still work at... Um, my tender age. So. <laughs> now, from from Saab, how did your career progress from there? Um, I went on to the Firestone um, Championship, which um, which I was still supported by Haymill, by Paul Whitehouse. Um, he um, put a couple of mechanics with me and. And we went and had a go at that um, in a, in a new car. Um, and Bernie, my mechanic, said to me, "Right, do you really want to do this?" I got a brand new car sitting on the forecourt, and he said, "We're going to have to rip all the interior out and put a roll cage in it and do all these things and so on." And I watched this car being ripped to pieces and and bits being put in the skip. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, but um, we we got it to go fairly well. Um, we were sort of mid running and at, at that stage, um, midfield, and um, enjoyed it. And then moved on from there to Lancia Integrale, um, which obviously Saab didn't uh, promote. But um, but uh, uh, I remember you were saying when we were ch- chatting earlier on, the Integrale was fantastic up to about 120. Then it stopped. Yes, it was a brick. Um, um, we were taking on the Sapphire, Cosworth, and and so on, and and um, Keith O'Dor with his Nissan Skylines and and all the rest of it. And whilst it was very quick, uh, four wheel drive, and and so on, and we actually changed that from sixty forty front rear to forty sixty the other way round. Um, so that we could get some rear end grip and so on and try and chase them. But um, that again, um, we had some fun at Donington uh, one particular weekend. We qualified about the 13th uh, midfield and and um, uh, Bernie, my uh, mechanic, uh, went and got a big heavy brush and brushed the track in front of us and we managed to get up to second by the time we got to the first corner. Red gate. Well, yeah. Well, for the second race and the third race of the day, everybody was brushing the track in front of the cars. So, <laughs> so we actually brought in something. And I think that was actually went, a, went quite a long way. Um, I think even touring cars adopted some of the ideas. <laughs> Uh, if something appears to work, it will catch on very quickly in racing, won't it? No matter how strange yeah. it might seem to be. So, yeah, I mean, from the racing, 
Well, you you eventually moved. You carried on racing, but you eventually moved into the organisation of it. What 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 caused you to stop racing as such, or decrease the racing? Uh, well, I moved from production saloons, and and um, a guy called Willie Moore um, from Milton Keynes basically said to me, "Why didn't I go to the Nurburgring?" And we went to the Nurburgring a couple of times, and and then decided to take on the twenty four hours. And and I had done sort of three and four hour races, um, sharing the drive with somebody else. Um, and then we did a six hour with three people, and built it up to doing a twenty four hour race with four people in the car. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, I got the bug because. 20 minute racing is fine but it's over too quick and um and and the Nürburgring uh we went there as as Brits um has um a start number of 200 cars yeah so there are 200 cars starting the 24 hour race or I think in the past few years even 240 um I mean that's a serious number of cars to have on a grid isn't it yeah, they separate them sort of 60 cars at a time and leave a minute or two minutes between each grid, and they start them all at the same time. But the front 60, 70, 80 cars is GT3 um, Porsches and, and, you know, proper kit. Um, and then it goes down to the BMWs, then it goes down to the, the, the smaller cars and so on and so forth. Yeah. Like, the, you know, a two-litre Honda or something like that. Um you you um you you got to also realise that the track is sort of thirteen fifteen miles long, yeah, um, including the Grand Prix circuit, and from one side of the track to the other, it can be sunny, it can be raining, and even in May it can be snowing. Yeah. So um, you're right up in the mountains, and um, it's a beautiful spot. Um, and you're going through the trees, and um, the trees are all pine, so you get all these droplets of 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 um, uh, uh, pine pine mixed with water, and that that creates a, like a moss on the track, um, and literally overnight it, the track can go green, as um, Stuart called it, green holler, green hell. Yeah. Um, in the Grand Prix cars, um, as they race there in, in, in their day. Um, but every lap is different. Um, every, every corner becomes a challenge, and there are a lot of them. Oh, um, yes, so I, I've, I've driven it on a few occasions, and uh, somebody said, well, after a while you get to know a circuit. I said, you, you will remember parts of the Nordschleife, I said, but you have to race, be there virtually every day to get to the stage where you can remember it because it is so long, as you've just said. Yes. I mean, the, the, the uh, Willie Moore went on to being um, um, what they call a ringmeister, um, along with Sabina Rack or Sabina Smith, as she's now known, um, who is uh, the girl that did the transit van on Top Gear. Yeah. Um, uh, and you, you meet all these characters and and, uh, 
as you uh, as you kindly said, uh, you know, I retired at forty five. The reason for that was I could no longer see the people on the bank, let alone see the, <laughs> see the things in front of me. So I've, I've, <laughs> I felt that my eyesight would, ha, had done me in, and basically uh, we went to uh, Sabina's um, restaurant called the Piston Klaus one evening. I think we came out of that about four o'clock on the Saturday morning. Yeah. Um, when the sun was coming up, ready for the 24-hour race. Um, and we discussed ways in which we could bring endurance racing to the UK. Yeah. Um, so my job was basically, or <laughs> I was given the job, uh, thanks to to Ian Donaldson and and um, and Willie um, and and Sabina for that matter. Um, and basically, um, we wrote the rules and regulations. We approached the MSA, Most Sports Association. At, as they were called in those days. And John Symes, who was a safety officer, and myself wrote the rules and, and made up uh, the way in which we could keep it in in, in a sensible line with regard to va value for money, um, because there weren't the breaks in the day. So you could make up, um, you could use that quarter of an hour break between races as part of the race so we we were saving time and saving money and we could reduce our prices um accordingly and therefore uh it became attractive to people sharing a car when they hadn't got enough money to run it on their own they could actually bring in somebody or if they hadn't got much talent they could bring in a professional to to help them out to get to the front yeah um and and it it, it started with 14 cars um, and uh, it grew very quickly uh, we started uh, I started with a, a man called John Vaness who who was Paul Whitehouse a friend of Paul Whitehouse at Saab and um, we found a £10 note and started a kitty <laughs> that, was <it. laughs> that, that was how um, the European Endurance Racing Club which later became Brick Car uh started and we we weren't very good at our paperwork and um we were at brown's hatch i think for about the third race and we were standing in reception signing people on or trying to sign drivers on and so on but they, there were so many of them that we got ourselves in a mess yeah and claire headley who now runs brick car who's who joined uh, joined the company by walking into that office and saying do you need a hand? <laughs> and then she stayed for 25 years. Yeah. Um, and now she runs runs um, Brick Car and the Endurance Championship and also the Trophy Championship. And is doing very well. I'm very pleased for her. I mean, the one thing is the racing world, especially in England, understand endurance racing, but to people outside it it's it's a bit of a rarefied world they've nearly all heard of the Le Mans 24 hour which is often described as the uh, British holiday hosted by France um, but it's a completely different world is endurance as to how you go about it the teams the cars the different classifications where F1 technically every car is identical or near to being identical endurance racing is it's open to all types of cars 
uh, all sizes and classes and in many ways all types of drivers as you said you get the professionals the gentleman drivers or the amateurs it's i mean it's it, it is an unusual form of racing for people who, who don't particularly understand it yes um g going back to my first 24-hour race which was at snaston and it was called the will hire um it was run by the bureau cc and the chairman at the time was a guy called John Nickel, who I became very friendly with. Um, and and I did that with Gary James and um, and his uh, golf. Uh, he had a Mark One golf, and we were up against Cosworth and all sorts of other bits of machinery, and um, uh, and we were being lapped on a regular basis. But we within our class we had a fight on our hands because yeah. there were, you know, eight or, or so cars in the same class and and one one lap you'd be up and the next lap you'd be down. The reason for that, somebody was refueling or somebody was saying this. And there was a competition. And the thing about it was the garage doors were open. Everybody helped everybody else. The spanners were passed. The tea was passed. <laughs> uh, alcohol was passed occasionally. But... Um, the, the 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 whole feeling of it was um, of a family group, uh, and uh, and it was uh, it was close it was close racing, believe it or not. You know, even though uh, certain races maybe cars were five or six laps in front, um, that, that over twenty four hour race is not a great distance. Um, and, and it could be made up. Somebody just needed to make a mistake and dent a corner, and it needed to be straightened up. Could take twenty minutes, and uh, you could make that time up. And um, yeah, it was good competition. Um, I went on with John Nichol, um to '94, and then in '94 the Wilhire was was cancelled because of the recession at the time, and there were very few cars out there. And I promised him that I would bring endurance racing back, and um, it took me some time, um, the money, the money markets, and so on. Uh, and then in 2005, uh, I managed to um, get our first race uh, at Silverstone, and that was done by going to the councils, the parish councils first, and asking the chairman of each of those councils, the Silverstone and Whittlebury, to. Um, uh, allow us to run a 24-hour race and the limitations were purely on sound and of course sound is horrendous subject which um the tree huggers love um, <laughs> <they hate>. um, <laughs> um uh, uh, but it's not understood um and and silverstone depending on the time of the year september for instance it can be very foggy yeah um and fog is one of the worst things. Forget rain and so on and so forth, but fog and sunshine, for that matter, as well. Fog is one of the worst things that you can have uh, because you know full well that, and you've heard the stories of submarines where somebody's got a spanner and banged on the side, and you can hear that through the water, um, and it travels a long way, same as an elephant when it makes its uh, call. Uh, noise of cars travels six times the distance um, in fog. No, so, really. I must confess, I didn't know that. Yes, so um, whilst, whilst you think you're surrounded by cotton wool, 
um, the sound that you're making travels a long, long way. And we couldn't believe it when we got um, complaints from um, anything up to 12 miles away for running at two o'clock in the morning at Silverstone. And, and we had complaints and we had to deal with that. So we had to reduce noise levels. We had to do all sorts of things to appease everything. And, and it all worked. And it's... Um, and the 24-hour race is still continuing today, but not in my name. Yeah, um, it's been it's been it's moved on, and um, Silverstone still run one 24-hour race every year. I mean, I think one of the most famous coverages of that race was when the, the old Top Gear uh, participated, Clarkson, uh, Hammond, and May, and they did it in a, a diesel three series BMW. Yeah, I. I... I wrote the script on that and took it to Top Gear and, and said said to them, look, why don't you do something different? You you chase each other around all the countries, etc., but you actually never done a race. You, you, and um, and um, uh, they came along with four stigs and signed on. We knew all the stigs because they'd all raced in brick car at some stage or another. Even though they all had the white helmets on, they all had to present yeah, their yeah, licence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, and um, uh, and uh, they did the race and the, um, uh, the the accident happened at two o'clock in the morning when, when um, um, their junior driver um, uh, Hammond basically bumped into the leader and cost, a, cost the leader his his race, um, but um, uh, I had my seventeen seconds of of, of fame being on Top Gear <laughs> when I I had to go into the garage and tell them in front of the cameras that they could get the car back on its wheels and um, they needed a um, scrutineer. Uh, to go back out again and um, they could go back racing and that's what they did um, and it was a great success because I think we had about five people in the stands uh, that year and the following year we had about 8,000 so yeah. um, it was great for us um, it was great for Top Gear because it was one of their top programs and it's the only program which um, um, the leader uh, burst into tears in in the car, banging the steering wheel, having completed a twenty four hour race, and that's the exhilaration you get from achieving a twenty four hour race. And um, you see it time and time again at Le Mans and other places where everybody's in tears and hugging each other, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, because it's such a challenge, and not only to the mechanics but to the team owners and and the sponsors and so on and so forth. And it, it's it's a great place to be. Uh, endurance racing um, has been copied by um, lots and lots of people now, and uh, it's thriving in the UK. Um, it's um, it's 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 uh, it's there is a future in it. I mean, um, recently Citroen C1s, yes, uh, 60, 68 cc cars have put together a field of 320-odd cars <laughs> and being able to start 100 cars on the grid at one time uh, in England. And that's that's indirectly come from uh, the grassroots and the things that um, 
player myself and uh, John Vanez and uh, Willie Moore and Ian Donaldson and Sabina Reck and all the others put together and thought of and, and so on. I, I was fortunate enough to be their leader for a time. I mean, the great thing about the little Citroens is, and it's like it, it also t takes in the Peugeots as well, the cars are, apart from stripping out of the interiors in a roll cage, um, the cars are standard cars. They run on road tyres, the normal wheels, yes. and it's potentially... And the cars, of course, are, are bought second-hand. Um, yes. But it's a case of the car... So you can buy a car for £1,000. Yeah. Four of you can get together and put in two hundred and fifty quid each. Then you've got to spend roughly about three thousand pounds on it, right? Yeah. And you can go racing. Yeah. Um You can apply for a, an ARDS test, which is like a road test. Um, get your helmet, your, your suit, and share a weekend um, in a car, a uh, uh, racing at Silverstone. Um, with with a hundred other cars, so four hundred drivers, um, taking on a challenge, um, uh, and whether you win or lose, the answer is, um, you know, you get the experience of endurance racing, and and in its way, it, it's no different to going to Le Mans. No, no different at all. No, I th um, and the other thing is, it it's endurance racing is one of these strange combinations. You have to drive your racing, so you you want to progress with any look. You progress to the front, but you've still got to be reasonably kind to the car because you actually would like it to travel for the full twenty four hours. So it's this f fine balance between racing yet being kind to the car. Yes, oh, uh, absolutely, and. Um... Uh, and getting the most out of of the tyres and, and making them last, making the fuel last. Even I know it sounds daft, but you've got to uh, go further on a tank than anybody else um, because it means that you have to stop less times um, in, in the 24-hour period. Um, I mean, John Nickel was very much responsible for for keeping me and doing doing all this and. The high, I think the high point um, for me was um, the recognition that I was given by um, John Nichols' um, um, uh, following uh, chairman, who was Bernard Cottrell at the time, um, giving me um, the Roy James Trophy or the John Nichols Trophy, it was yeah. as it was renamed. Um, um, I don't know you remember Roy James, do you? It's one of those things, I remember the name. I never actually right. met him. Right, Roy James was a racing driver who had ambitions to go for, to Formula One, but he got involved with a group of people that um, basically wanted to make a lot of money, and he wanted money because he hadn't got any and he needed sponsorship. I know the feeling, and, sir. And he was the getaway driver for the great train robbery. All right. And was, and was put in prison for 30 years. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he made a trophy because he uh, went to the Silversmith School in the prison. Yeah. And uh, made a trophy for the BRCC. Um, people who've won it include Sir Jack Brabham, uh, Nick Tandy, Damon Hill, Sir Frank Williams, Eddie Jordan, uh, Mark Webber, uh, Lewis Hamilton, Murray Walker. Um, and Johnny Herbert and um, 
I got given the trophy. I got conned into going to a dinner. <laughs> and um, uh, I sat at this dinner and then was told I had to go up on stage. And I, One of the, the highest points of my career was to be recognised as somebody who brought endurance racing to the UK. Absolutely so, fantastic. So, yeah. it's. I mean, I've seen this before. I haven't received a trophy, but I once had to get somebody to a similar thing at dinner because they were being awarded a trophy, but they didn't know. And most yes. people who are winning certain trophies don't know. And the difficulty at times is actually getting them to go because sometimes they'll say, oh, I prefer, I'm doing something else. And you've to got to inveigle them and very yes well i blame that on my wife um, <laughs> um wendy was very persuasive and um um bless her um she's no longer with me but um she she and claire williams as she was then now claire headley or bricker uh managed to con me into going to this dinner for some reason or another and, and um yeah i was presented um presented this uh amazing um amazing trophy um which is held by the brsc it's not it's it's not kept um although i managed to keep it for a year on a shelf in the office <laughs> but, um, yeah brilliant with the occasional phone call when are you going to let us have that back yes absolutely yeah <laughs> I, I, and i polished the silver away it was lovely um, <laughs> And, uh, of course, it will be uh, the history of the person who made it, of course, w will will add to the significance of actually being the uh, the custodian of that trophy for 12 months. Yes, yes, um, yes. Uh, the sport is, uh, has, has been um, full of characters, um, similar to Roy James, who've wanted to move themselves forward to... Um, things, for instance, touring car teams that went to Europe and and came back and got, got stopped by customs and all sorts of things. But um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, they put they put the sniffer dogs on one truck. I I seem to remember, and uh, a policeman turned the the gas knob on top of the gas bottle, and the dog went wild. <laughs> <laughs> gentlemen in in amongst um, um the sport the sport is it is full of characters who basically want to get to the front of a race yeah um and and the ways in which it's done i mean formula one we have you know 21 20 sometimes 18 cars uh, has been going on for years and years and it's about the technology but it's also about the best driver and the best team with the best car with the best driver will win yeah. end of story yeah. uh, and it's become very boring to watch Mr Hamilton going round and round and round um, but uh, it just shows that the technology uh, of that particular car the Mercedes car um, and his previous team, uh, McLaren, 
um, had the best cars at the time. Yeah, I think the thing uh, is as well, and I can't immediately remember the young guy's name, but uh, when Hamilton was replaced the other week, everybody said, now it's patently obvious that it is the car and not the driver because the young lad did tremendous things behind the wheel of the Mercedes-Benz. Yes, um, and, and uh, that, that's been the case right the way through through history, basically. Um one or two exceptions. Um, uh, one, one or two drivers, for instance, Sterling Moss, um, who who never won a world championship. He he gave it uh, he gave it away um, in so much that he went to support of Mike Hawthorne, um, and and uh, because Mike Hawthorne was being disqualified for something, and um, uh, and saved the day. Yeah. Um, um, I have a great affiliation with um, with Sterling Moss. Um, I, I made a phone call um, to ask him whether or not he would come and start my um, 24-hour race in 2006-2007 year. Um, and I could, he had an open phone like we have now, and and basically I could hear the the, the sink. Um, uh, somebody washing up in the sink, which, not, <laughs> which was obviously Susie, yeah. um, his, his wife, and, um, and I said to him, you know, could you um, could you come and start the race? Oh yeah, 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 um, and it'd be so much money, and so and so and so. So I said, oh, I, I, I'm very sorry, but I can't afford that. But um, just in passing, um, your first wife, Katie. Um, is a very very distant cousin of mine. Yeah. Right. And uh, he said, "Oh, well, wonderful." And the washing up stopped, and so on and so forth. And I, I thought about it, and then I said, "Well, maybe next year we'll be able to do something or whatever." And and we left uh, as as, uh, as as friends. And um, I said to Claire in the office, "I said, um, I think we'll get a phone call back." Yeah. Ten minutes later, the phone rang, and he said, "I'll do it for half the price." Um, <laughs> Right, my wife has told me I have to, because she was the best friend of of, of Katie, my cousin. Yeah, uh, which is which is very nice. And I've got a lovely photograph of um, um, Sir Sterling um, and uh, Brian Brian Jones, who yeah. was the voice the voice of Brands Hatch for many years. Bless him, um, and myself at the start of the twenty four hour race that year. Um, which is on my mantelpiece and, and very, very much treasured. I mean, the one thing you said about uh, talking to uh, Sir Sterling with the washing up going on in the background, Sterling Moss, etc., they came from an era when drivers were human beings. It just happened to be that they were, uh, they were virtually gods behind a steering wheel, but in every other respect, they were normal people. Uh, and I think you can say that about sports car races or drivers and endurance drivers. Maybe it's changed today with as the teams become what they are, but they are a different breeder endurance racers, aren't they? They are more approachable. They have a different mindset to an F1 guy who lives in a cocooned uh, public relations world and can only say what he's been told he can say the money men have destroyed uh, the contact with with the F1 drivers um, you know there's so much money involved um, um, one has to have security as well because yeah. um, 
because of the dreadful world we live in. Um, but um, the, uh, the, the the man in the street used to be able to go to the back of garages um, and, and the photographs of, of Formula One with phot- photographers actually standing on the edge of the grass at the top of Paddock Hill. Yeah. Right? Taking photographs in... in even up to the 80s, right? Um, uh, and and people wandering around in the pit lane, etc. And and um, the, the barriers were non-existent. I mean, take the, the race at Goodwood where Sterling was was uh, badly badly hurt. And if you go there today, there are still no barriers at Goodwood. Whereas if you go to Silverstone. Now the barriers are 200, 300 yards away from the track. Yeah. Well, they, they, they've moved back and, and the people have moved back and now the cars are so small, you actually can't get to see them. Um, the, the fan club rises and falls and, and this year it's dropped off. And 19 million, I believe, have dropped off watching Formula One because it's become a procession yeah. because the leading team has now been leading for five or the, the two cars involved have been leading for five or seven years, um, oh, eight years next year, um, if Hamilton wins again. And it, it's just a procession. It needs to be humanised and, and, and so on. And it needs, uh, needs some help, I think. Yeah. Right. Um, it needs to be different. It needs to. It needs. Maybe it needs refueling again. Maybe it needs. <laughs> maybe it needs something. You know, it's 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 become a procession. And and but the problem is everybody gauges motor racing and says Formula One. Yeah. Right. Because everybody's seen it on television, etc. And then there's touring cars, and then after that you don't see very much. Um, you may see some odd races and uh, at lower level with regard to things but sky television used to have regular filming of different championships etc they don't do that anymore and motorsport has gone backwards because of noise it's gone backwards because of cost it's gone it's also gone backwards because now it's about egos and and big money yeah um and somebody in the street doesn't feel as though they can afford to go motor racing. Well, the answer is you can. You can buy a Citroen C1 or you can go and buy a Mazda MX RX-8 or MX-5 or whatever for two or three thousand pounds, tune it up, give it a coat of paint that you like and and basically put a roll cage in it and and go racing. So, and and it, it doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be um, it doesn't have to be thousands and thousands of pounds. It can be the same amount of money as joining a golf club and playing golf. Yeah. Um, um, and, uh, and and that's what's missing, the, the fact that that, that is ha- happening and, and you can go and do and race at a race meeting or you can go and do a track day, for instance. You could take a road car and go on track and, and enjoy the day and play it safe and... Um, and wear a helmet and um, and and learn the skills and uh, say that you've been on a track. 
Very quickly, James, before we go, what what does motor racing hold still hold in store for James Tucker? Um, well, currently I'm building cars, um, but but my and it's taken years. It's taken twenty five, thirty years for for the progression of of what. I um, look at as, as achievement, and that is um, the fact that so many that I didn't think would ever go there have been to Le Mans, yeah. um, who started in little Hondas and so on and so forth, and and progressed to Ferrari and 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 then to a GT3 or, or, or big Ferraris such as the McInerney. Sean and, and um, uh, father um, um, and, and go to Lamar and you know people like Sam, Sam Hignett uh, Jota uh, who are now doing LMP3 uh, at Lamar um, who started in Mazda MX-5s John Gore who's now the chairman um, and managing director of Aston Martin uh, he started in 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 Britcar. Um, he was a, a, a salesman for Smith Crisp, I think, at that stage. <laughs> um, uh, Andrew Howard, who's um, who's raced at Lamar and took uh, Nigel Mansell with him, and Nigel Mansell managed to wreck the car. Um, Jamie Campbell Walters, Leventus, the um, uh, the, the, the 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 owner of Relentless started in, in at a 24-hour race at, at uh, Britco. Um Richard Dean, um, who's uh, United Autosport, with Zach Brown, who's now the chairman of, of McLaren, yeah, did Britco. Lawrence Thomason of Janetta. Um, you, know, you go on, and then there's the drivers who just go to drive, and that's like Phil Keane and Johnny Adams, um, you know, people like that. And um, uh, yeah, it, it that that's where that's where I have enjoyed it, being able to see people come through and move on from, if you like, a minor club yeah. to being at the front of the world field, in, including you know the the stars of um, um, uh, of television and, and also cycling um, you know uh, Sir Will Hoy um, uh, he raced in Brick Car and then went on to Le Mans uh, Paul Hollywood who um, uh, makes cakes I believe yes um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know all those sorts of characters um, uh, have have been involved um, in one way or another with uh, brick car endurance uh, racing and 24-hour racing. James Tucker, it's been an absolute delight, but with regret, I have to, I have to stop this. We're running out of time. So, James Tucker, it's been an absolute delight chatting to you, and thank you for joining me on the Backseat Driver Radio Show. And thank you, sir.
Rarely beaten on price, never beaten on service. Whether it's cars, bikes or commercials, Hoddy Tyres are the best in the business. And when it comes to tyre expertise and advice, to supplying the correct tyres for your vehicle's specific requirements, nobody comes close to David Lakin and the Hoddy Tyres team. So give them a call on 01200 613 192 or visit the website at hoddytyres.co.uk. Thank you.